Hey, it's Zach. On today's episode, Dakota is still in mourning following the U of T loss. I'm still riding high off of Guelph's homecoming win, and Windsor uh, falls victim to another revenge game from a top team in the OUA. All that and more coming up. Uh, Before we jump into the episode, though, I just wanted to mention that this Saturday, October 5th, I'm going to be giving up my OUA football watching time to participate in a charity bike event. Um, The charity is Refuge Enfant Pour Tu, R-E-P-T, and they are active in West Africa, specifically in Burkina Faso, and they're trying to help out women and children to achieve their potential, and they do so in two main areas. One, by providing care, support, and education to vulnerable girls and women, and as well by working with local educators to improve the quality of preschool education uh, throughout the country. And and from the UNICEF website, they refer to the, the methods that this charity takes um, as helping to pay for school fees for children in West Africa so that parents are less pressured to sell their children's labor, um, and as well ensuring that girls get an education, vocational training, and life skills to reduce their vulnerability. So as I said, I'll be doing a, a bike ride to raise funds and awareness for this. I'll attach a, a link to my page if you are gracious enough to contribute something, but just trying to spread awareness of this Um, of this charity is just uh, meaningful enough for me and being able to use our platform uh, I thought was a good opportunity but if you're listening you're listening because you want to get into some hard-hitting OUA football talk so with no further ado here's week six This is Justice Allen, running back number four for McMaster. It's Eric Sarzella, starting left tackle for the Guelph Griffins. Dylan Giffen, left tackle the Western Mustangs. And you're listening to At The 55. At The 55. At The 55. Stay tuned. Best OUA podcast. All right, we'll start off where we do every week. We'll start off with our Who's Back of the Week, Dakota. Do you want to start us off? Yeah, I would. You know, in their Who's Back in more ways than one, obviously coming off the bye. Um, you'd asked me a couple weeks ago if I was going to give the Dunn chain to him, and I said, no, not yet. I called him. They said, hold that. So I'm going to hold that for a couple more weeks. Uh, Wilfred Laurier. Wilfred with an I, not an E, as, uh, you know, many people have mistaken before. <laughs> uh, no, they, they... Scholars, even. Yeah, scholars, even. No, they, they came back, had a, a pretty commanding win, um, and now they're they're still in the playoff hunt. So that's, that's definitely my who's back of the week. And for me, I got to give it to, to your boy, Barney himself. Um, of course, that being Clark Barnes. We saw him in very limited action, only returning one kickoff, which only went 22 yards. So, unfortunately, the streak is over for uh, Barney, in which the first kick he returns of a game he takes to the house. You know, a little surprised that they would bring him back, but only use him in such limited action. I feel like given how impactful he's been, it would kind of be an all or nothing. He's either good to go and you use him as much as you want or you still lay off. But either way, great seeing six out there again uh, for Guelph. Uh, He's my pick for who's back. Um, For our players of the week, I'm joining you in the the silence and just letting go check out our our, our socials. If you're not on the socials, our apologies, but it's 2019, so uh, go check that out. and so, yeah, uh, with no further ado, we'll jump into our first game, our pick for game of the week, which was Ottawa Guelph. Final score in this game, the Guelph Griffins 33, the Ottawa GG 6. This game was in Guelph. It was the Griffins' homecoming. And 
the fans that filled up Alumni Stadium got everything they could have wanted. Rainy day as it was all across Ontario, but much like in many of the games we've seen for the Guelph Griffins, the big story in this one is defense and special teams. Now, obviously, you said the score already, six points allowed to Ottawa. And if I do some quick math in my head, I believe that now accounts for only 28 points this Griffin team has given up in the last three weeks. Six against Ottawa, of course, nine last week against Western, and I believe only 13 against Waterloo the week before. Of course, with Ottawa, it's Ben Miracle in there. We've seen some good things from him, young quarterback filling in for Soria Bittner, but you combine a young QB at the helm for them in an opposing team's on an opposing team's homecoming with the defense this Guelph Griffins team has, I mean, that just spells disaster, right? Yeah, um, you know, I was going to save this for later, but I'm going to hop right into it. Um, Ottawa's offense is my do-better of the week. This week's do-better is brought to you in part by the letter B. B as in Ben Miracle, you threw for 69 (laughs) yards. B as in Ben Miracle, you threw four interceptions. B as in Graham Brody, who had two picks for 120 return yards. Sorry, let let me do some quick calculation here. Yeah, that's more than the entire passing offense. B as in Berger, who... Okay, he actually had a solid game, 89 yards. But Ottawa, you you are not going to be able to rely on your defense to win out the rest of the season. This is, you know, we I think we had a lot of people maybe being like, oh, Ottawa is definitely, can definitely take this Panda game next week. I, Ottawa might not win another game this season. They're not looking like a solid offense. Yeah. Right? B as in, please bring back Bittner. <laughs> you know? Um, you, you can't win games with zero offense productivity, and especially you can't win games when you have more penalty yards against you mm-hmm. than you have offensive production. Yeah. And for that reason alone, Ottawa's offense is my do-better of the week. And you mentioned that point about the penalty yards. I can only imagine how much fun the, the Griffin players were having on Saturday night. I'm sure they hit up Frankenstein's. It was probably an absolute just rowdy affair because you have your homecoming, you get the W, and then that leads into your bye week. I'm sure you get a little more leeway in terms of the amount of you know maybe no Sunday meeting yeah maybe, maybe no, Sunday, no Sunday maybe meeting. no run down, whatever it might be maybe no Monday morning run oh baby wouldn't that be something but if you're Ryan Sheehan though as you alluded to the big thing for Guelph because this game is just littered with positives and you don't want to rain on those things but as you did mention Guelph had more penalty yards than Ottawa had on offense and that's thanks to 16 penalties that Guelph gave up to the tune of 194 yards and as you mentioned this Ottawa team the defense is still very defense is still very good that defensive front is really good they still have some of those guys in the secondary Luke Grease um, you know I was a big fan of his last year same with Cranston there um, and their defensive front has been been really solid uh, but obviously offensively this team's just not going to be up to a caliber to play against teams like Guelph, McMaster, Western, even say, you know, Water Waterloo or, or throwing some of those other middle of the pack teams. I mean, we'll see how they do against Carlton. But it's such a shame because we saw how competitive Ottawa looked with Bittner at the helm when they went into Hamilton and almost took that game against them. It was very, and, yeah, a very solid game. Yeah, like I'd say, I, I'm bringing the final score. I feel like the final wasn't as indicative of how competitive it was, but really up until Bittner finally came out of that game, it's, no, I didn't, there was still a shot for Ottawa to win at the end. That game was thoroughly a competitive game, and I don't doubt that, well, I don't think anyone could doubt that with Bittner in this game, 
it would have at least been closer. I probably still pick Guelph in it, but you know, it, it, it is such a shame uh, leading it leading into the Panda. Yeah, definitely, and I think this this poor offensive performance that they're having one as a defensive unit you have to be frustrated there's there's no doubt that you're you're kind of holding yourself in games that you know Guelph they've shown us they've shown me especially that they do have a solid offense but you know they're still holding to holding Landers to two touchdowns that's yeah. that's pretty solid um and you're just kind of looking at your offense being like get us something get yeah. us something <laughs> and now you're going into um, the Panda game where we'll obviously talk about later, but Carlton's coming on the up, Ottawa's on the down. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, you know, we'll get into it later, but it's kind of a loser goes home situation and they need Bittner back and I haven't heard a whisper of him coming back anytime soon. Yeah, I think it was going into this weekend or perhaps it was going into week five where I had written that based on the way the season had played out, it seems like that the Panda would turn into a loser goes home. And at the time, my thinking was that well, it's certainly looking like Carlton, and this is, once again, going back about two weeks, Carlton dropping the game against Western and then dropping the game to uh, Waterloo, of course, where it looked like if only one Ottawa team makes it, it would be the University of Ottawa. And in a week's notice, it is so rapidly switched. Um, and we talked about the Guelph, Guelph's offense and you mentioned some of Theo's numbers. A big shout out has to go out to uh, Kean Schaefer Baker, who I'm sure in so many people's books and well, the proofs in the pudding based on the uh, our Instagram research, how many people thought that he should have or could have easily won Offensive Player of the Game. Went for six catches, 125 yards, two touchdowns. Everyone knows this guy is talented, and it's it's awesome. Just like how we talk about with uh, this Ottawa team. Actually, with both Ottawa teams, where they have such good receivers across the board, that um, you want to be able to see them make plays, which they can only do if they get the ball in their hands. And the first touchdown, obviously, what stands out is him laying out to make the catch. But what I loved seeing from Theo on it was that Ottawa was bringing pressure. And to Ottawa's credit, they definitely were getting after Theo. Um, you know, a big point for Guelph, not to go too, uh, on too much of a tangent here, is that offensive line is seriously banged up. They have so many young players, either rookies or guys, only dressing for their first couple of games, now playing uh, for them. They move Coulter Woodmansey to left tackle, normally in at left guard. But Ottawa's getting pressure on Theo, and kind of how we talked about with how McMaster and, and Andreas Dulek runs their offense, where even when you bring pressure on him, he knows he has guys coming open. And he, Theo just knew, All right, I got Baker going to the end zone, put it up there, even though he's under pressure, and, and uh, Kean went and made the play. Yeah, so my, my only question for you now, um, since you so lovely pointed out for me a couple weeks ago, is this a bad time for Guelph to go on the bye? Mm. I mean, that's an inch. I mean, Playoff pitchers are, are kind of locked, but also kind of not yeah. locked. Queen already, you know, came in and upset me after a bye week. So, no, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, by the same token, you also have Queens going on their bye week as well. So, if there is a bit of a, a bye week, you know, curse or or something to, of that nature, then it would afflict obviously um, Queens just as much as it would affect Guelph, and that is going to be the game coming out of it. it that may be true. I don't think I don't think the bye week would slow a defense down. That's number one offensively I think the biggest thing for them is just getting healthier that offensive line in particular you know it's kind of neat how with a lot of these teams you can see the same kind of trends throughout generations of players come through 
Western, well, Western's known for everything, obviously. They do everything to the highest level, but a team like Carlton having a, like a strong defense that they hang their hat on, um, team like Laurie having a really good defense, really good run game, Guelph traditionally as well, really strong run game, or really strong defense, really strong specials, normally offensively, little more traditionally and this goes back to even when I was there the run game always a little bit more dominant in the passing game and aside from that one Kane Stevenson performance against Waterloo really haven't seen that running game take off and, and I think that's a product I think it's it's quite obviously a product of the injuries in the backfield and the O-line so as my nice long roundabout way of answering your question I mean it maybe it, it could be <laughs> that that the, it, the bye week curse continues um, but I think for them just getting as healthy as they can uh, will be the biggest thing moving forward. Um, I guess we'll see you at Thanksgiving. Any last notes on this game? All right. So with that in mind, as we mentioned, Guelph's going to be going onto their or into their bye week this upcoming week. Ottawa going to be getting ready for the Panda game, which uh, we'll get into in a little bit. But with that being said, why don't we move on to our next game and let's tackle Queens versus Laurier? Final score in this game: the Laurier Golden Hawks fifty-two. Queens Golden Gale 16. This was another homecoming. Laurier's, of course, and they were coming off their bye, and I guess this flies in the face of any slowing down that we might have seen from other teams coming off the bye, where, well, I guess for Laurier, they couldn't, they, sl- they they couldn't slow down. You couldn't have slowed down. No, no offense, but you guys couldn't slow down. <laughs> you couldn't slow down any more than you already were, so the only yeah. option was to go up, and uh, they, they really showed out, and this was a really interesting game. Because we obviously saw what Queens did offensively last week against U of T. And when we talk U of T football, obviously the big thing is that passing attack, the bird game, and Clay Secura, and those numbers that they've been putting up all year, not necessarily the defense. So Rashid Tucker putting up those numbers, most people would have expected that to come down to earth a good deal. And especially now we're talking about Laurier Golden Hawk football, while the team as a whole has been disappointing. You know their losses have more been a product of sloppy, sloppy playing as a pro, um, by way of getting too many penalties and too many turnovers. But their defense this year has been good, and it showed in this one that they were as good as teams ex- as people expect a Golden Hawks defense to be. Yeah, no, they, they looked like the Golden Hawks that you know won the eights a few years back. Um, what I really want to point out is not only is Lavondre Gord still putting up crazy numbers, they had they had what eight people carry the rock. Yeah, eight people carry the rock, and that's just just a tribute to not only the coaches but also the players being able to feel comfortable in that position. With again, only two of those eight carried at one time, but everyone else carried it multiple times. Obviously, Lavondre Gordon leading the way with fifteen for one nineteen, but. That's just impressive to me that they're going to trust their team so much to put it in the hands of that many players. And it would I'd be remiss to not give them credit for that, much like you did after last week when, and I think we already kind of referenced this, what to me is so scary about Max offense is how they spread it out to so many different guys. And that, of course, just makes it hard going into a game to game plan when you can't just lock down on one person or even just one unit when you can do it both in the air and on the ground so 100% if this is something sustainable for Laurier that's going to be big news because when you look at their run game it obviously starts with number one Lavondre Gordon and you know big shout out to Lavondre uh you already went through the numbers 15 carries for 119 one touchdown and that one touchdown puts him now in sole possession of third place in the all-time touchdown record for rushing TDs for Laurier, passing 
um, Dylan Campbell, which, you know, I, I don't know all the history of Laurier Golden Hawk football, but I was pretty surprised to see that Campbell wasn't holding the number one spot for those who watched him in the early 2010s running the ball for them. He was obviously such a phenom. So huge shout out to Levandre Gordon. And, you know, as as a former offensive lineman, I'll, I'll definitely give credit to um, Osei um, Aginwin. Apologies for, if I'm mispronouncing. Had seven carries for 31 yards and a touchdown. But you could really see he was doing a great job of lead blocking for Gordon on a couple of those big breaking plays. I think even on his big 52-yarder that was for the touchdown. So, you know, shout out to that guy putting in work not only when he's getting the ball, but also when he's not and carrying the ball as well yeah i think you know uh they need to start giving out assists for some for some players you know some blockers need to get some extra little points on their on their score chart if they're they're really doing a good way lead blocking um one thing that one person i just want to throw some light on and if you saw on instagram he's my special teams player of the week nathan mesher um not only just you know two for two on field goals six for six on extra points that's all nice but punting he had not, sorry, 12 punts for 467 yards, with the longest of being 66 yards, which is pretty impressive. But then also because they had so many field goals and touchdowns, he had nine kickoffs for 513 yards, averaging 57 and a touchback. Jeez. Kid almost kicked for 1,000 yards this game. Was how many, po- how many points did he? Okay. A lot. Yeah, yeah, a good yeah. amount. Yeah. Wow. We had 20 points. And it was, no, no, sorry, 21 points if you include the touchback. That's, that's He had three touchdowns and his own extra points. <laughs> Uh, he's got. A, he's, he provides more offense than York's offense does. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna walk away for a second. <laughs> and well, and obviously, as we already kind of mentioned, it was uh, not the best weather uh, across the province on on Saturday. But that's both gonna go in your favor and against it. If it's really windy, you're going to be the beneficiary of it. But then at the same time, it is going to work against you. So you, no doubt that is, uh, well, those numbers are, are, are staggering. I'm still processing um, what you just said there. But so another thing for Lori to talk about, we obviously mentioned Rashid Tucker coming a bit down to earth. And A, I think people expected that just because I don't think the 210 yards was something to expect him to, to put up uh, in consecutive weeks, regardless of which team they were playing. But as we mentioned, this Laurier team, this Laurier defense in specific, their front four, um, they balled out. They're one of the reasons, probably the main reason they were so competitive against Western that first game. And as we said, this is just one of those things that people know for Laurier, having great defensive linemen. Um, so shout outs to the likes of I mean, Sam um, Achimpong, two sacks. Trayvon James, who unfortunately did get injured, I believe it was sometime in maybe the late third, early fourth, and I don't think I saw him come back in. Um, so, so that that could be huge if Trayvon is out for an extended amount of time, but he contributed a sack as well, and just causing fits for this def- uh, for this offensive line all game long. An, an offensive line which, much like with Guelph, is very young and is a bit banged up. As we saw last week against Toronto, though, that didn't seem to bite them. But I don't think many people would compare what Toronto does defensively. I mean, they do, obviously they have some really nice guys. I'm a big uh, Malcolm Campbell fan. Um, but to, to com- you wouldn't necessarily put them on the same level as, as Laurier's defense, though. No, I don't think you would. But again, obviously, they, I think they surprised all of us when they when Queens beat U of T last week. And, you know, maybe they're coming down to earth a little bit and looking at the Queens team we were talking about where... They're not, again, they're not, they're going to surprise us all, 
in a good way if they make the playoffs this year, but they're not in it to win it right now. I don't think that's obviously yeah. it's nice to win it right now, but like we said, three or four weeks, you know, they're looking at the future. They have a lot of young talent. This is great experience for them. If they make the playoffs, that's even better. Get the young guys in there, but you know, it's they're still doing better than a lot of people thought they were going to do. And this game just kind of shows that, you know, yeah, they did great against U of T, but when they go against such a, a veteran defensive line, they're going to, you know, show a little bit of weakness. 100%. And speaking of some of the young talent for Queens, second consecutive start for Ryan Lacandro playing the whole game, you know, only 189 yards, one TD, one pick, the one TD going to Richard Burton, who had a nice game, seven receptions, 101 in the air, and one TD. And I would be doing a disservice to not mention Ben Arhan, uh, getting another kick return touchdown, I believe this is now two weeks in a row, where he's he's housed a, a kickoff. So big shout out to him for for doing work in the return game. But yeah, I think many people, myself included, probably got a bit too excited after that performance against U of T. Obviously, just in the standings, I think it just really got a lot of people thinking that oh wow, Queens could not they don't have an inconceivable path to the playoffs now combined with the performance of Rashid Tucker seeing how that defense played and uh speaking of their defense shout out to Cam Lawson he went out in that UFT game he was back in this one so good to see him holding it down in the middle one of the top defensive linemen in the province in the country really so good to see him there and healthy but yeah I think as we said most of the year aside from the little hype extra hype that we uh gave them uh, after the UFT game, this is a team that's still looking incredibly good, looking uh, forward towards the future. I think so. Any last notes on this one? Yeah, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to how the next couple weeks play out with a lot of two win teams. Obviously, you know, we'll get into that. Uh, I wrote a I wrote a blog about it, and then I got really sad when I realized <laughs> how the math works, so I deleted it. Um, but no, we'll just see. You know, what the future holds. They got the bye next week, so get some rest for the young boys. And actually, the last note I'll, I'll mention, because we, we were kind of confused by that Carlton Laurier 11 a.m. start, which week nine, um, I'm sure we'll get into that down the line. Uh, we were kind of talking back and forth about how that that, that will almost definitely be a, a, a winner, winner go home scenario for those two teams. But they mentioned on the broadcast of this one that that's their school day game. So I think it's a Friday morning. So I guess, I don't know, they get local elementary schools or high schools get a couple hours out of school I thought, you meant, I thought you meant university I'm like if you're smart in university you don't have, you don't have Friday <laughs> classes that's a fair point um, but yeah that I, I know we were just a little confused by that um, so looking forward to next week we already mentioned Queens will be on the bye and for Laurier they are going to be traveling to Windsor to take on the Lancers um, and with that in mind I think we should go talk about are you ready to talk about it Dakota I don't want to talk about it talk about it. Alright, Dakota left. Alright, just do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's talk, go talk about Toronto versus Carlton. Final score in this game, the Carlton Ravens 29, the U of T Blues 19. This game was in Ottawa. Dakota, I don't know if you were actually able to physically go give Clay the Dunchain to uh, give hand over to Carlton in anticipation of a loss, which definitely, almost definitely would have knocked them out of playoff contention, but Carlton picking up the win both these teams now at two and three. The tiebreak scenario is just getting ridiculous. I know that you're you're working on a piece to, to break that down leading into the final weeks to come. But really good bounce back from Carlton in this one. Obviously, as we mentioned, 
a lot of people, myself included, were close to leaving this team, leaving them out for dead. But a really great bounce back here. Uh, Taron De Jong, really good performance. Probably his best performance of the uh, year so far, even without throwing a touchdown. Going 23 for 32 and 385 yards um, passing, which you know, I made this point. I've, I, I seemingly make this point every single week with a different team or sometimes with the same teams where when you have the likes of guys like Quinton Soares, Phil Aloki, Chad Menchelenko, even Nathan Carter catching a few balls out of the backfield, Get the ball in their hands. Let these guys do what they do. Um, but as a as the UFT Blues fan club president, let me hear your thoughts on this one, Dakota. First of all, no, I'm not okay. No, I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. But it's my job, so I will. It's tough. Okay, it's tough to to really see all these all these two win teams. And what's even tougher is seeing that. U of T's offense didn't they went off to a really rough start um, but if you're looking at these final numbers like Clay still threw three touchdowns for 358 yards Will Corby who was on the fence for me about it will he be my offensive player of the week 168 yards receiving one touchdown He's he's been it's hard to say he's been Clay's favorite because Clay loves to spread the ball but like the days that Clay is connecting with Will Will's getting 150 plus Lovegrove, you know, still being a solid receiver. Another touchdown. Michael Lehman, great second-year athlete. Another touchdown. Um, but no, Carlton's defense is, I think, the real story of this. Um, UFT's defense was surprisingly good for the past game, like you said. Tanner could, you know, needle his way down the field, but still couldn't get in the end zone, so they had to rely on Nathan Carter, who's a great running back. Don't get me wrong. And looking at these numbers, he's less than 200 yards away from breaking the all-time rushing record, but... Man, I think Jack Caster, another great game. Six solo tackles, two sacks, minus 19 yards. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jack, you know Caster is, is his name <laughs> now. Um, you know, five solo, ta- solo attacks for, <laughs> you know, five total sacks for the for the Carlson defense. It's tough to really go against that team, which is why I have them favored in these poor weather games. Like, it was raining, it was pretty crappy weather, and when Clay can't get the game going right away and can't throw the ball, we've seen UFT struggle, and that's the same thing that's happened in this one. I think I think that pretty much that, that covers the game pretty well, and so I'll touch on a few of those points. I guess we'll start with with Carlton's defense. I think we've now seen in back to back weeks two teams in the likes of Queens and Carlton give um, kind of a, a roadmap on how you can, well, and as you kind of point out. Carlson didn't really slow down this UFT team, but of course there's context to it when you put up, when your offense is explosive enough to put up massive numbers. I mean, only scoring, I mean, only scoring 19 points despite all the yardage, that's definitely um, a much more tame performance. But what we saw with Queens do against them was seemingly, seemingly fairly blatantly just, all right, we're going to, we're not going to let anything go over the top. They just umbrellaed them. Yeah, you want to throw intermediate routes, everything over the middle, go for it. We'll give that for you all day long. If you want to death by a thousand cuts us, go for it. And I feel like what we saw from Carlton was a different approach where they just said, well, if you want to throw it deep, you're going to need some time in the pocket to be able to let your receivers get open and get over the top. And we're not going to give you that time. And as you already mentioned, Jack Hasser with the two sacks on the game, um, and I loved how we... St- I don't even want to call it stepping up because he's been performing like this all year long. Um, our, our our brother, Eddie Meredith, 
has him down as the best linebacker in the league, and I, I don't think there's too much debate as to that. I think that's a, a very solid pick. But, uh, you know, a few things. One, uh, like I said, I don't, don't want to call it stepping up, but obviously such an emotional moment last year, or probably last week, with with Walsh going down. And we saw Louis Kavanaugh stepping up again in this one. Um, solid performance for him, holding it down to will position. But you have to imagine that um, that this defense was really trying to rally a, a, around that loss. And they they did some funny things defensively. A lot of times they would just have... Shaheem Charles Brown out there as the only defensive lineman lined up maybe in a three-point stance, sometimes just in a two moving around, and they would have all those linebackers kind of dancing, moving in from their regular depth up to the line, and then all of a sudden they'd be just coming at the last second. And I know from talking with Brandon about this U of T team is that, and I think this kind of makes what they've been doing offensively so impressive, is that their O-line very young and it's been a little banged up for them so far this year and I think this is the first well maybe not the first game that we've seen a team take advantage but this is a Carlton team that thoroughly took advantage of of what I think is a fairly inexperienced UFT offensive line and it showed because you could just see Clay was just not comfortable in that pocket um, all game long I think yeah no definitely I think the the biggest issue that UFT's had has been their O-line um, and it's come at very unfortunate times and very unfortunate games. Now that Carlton's a two-win team, Queens is a two-win team, and they now both have the the tiebreaker advantage on U of T, it's going to be a tough three games for them. Um, I think, you know, if, if U of T finishes off the season and doesn't make the playoffs, you got to look at how close these games were, you know, that Waterloo game back in the early season, yeah. like that could have been a win. Yeah. Queens game could have been a win. This Carlton yeah. could have been a win. And it's just, it's, for those of you who don't know, that's pretty much just football. You know, a couple things go your way. You, you know, you win big games. A couple things don't go your way, and you're looking at a tough last three games of the of the season. And you know, we'll get into their their matchup against Mac later on. But yeah, it's just it wasn't pretty seeing them go all the way to, up to Ottawa. Like we like I said, going to Ottawa is always tough. Yeah, and I think one note I had about their offense that kind of disappointed me that they didn't have this in play, given the shenanigans of the Carlton defense with that what I would call their dancing bear front what we used to refer to how York's defense used to be with all these guys just kind of coming in and out and then getting lined up at the last second I was disappointed that UFT didn't have any check with me plays any hard count plays just see okay which guys are committing where and then just have just two plays that you can just it's it's so simple you see it at even the high school level even the jv level where teams will just have a quick two play call hard count it what do we see one call for the 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 quick pass or whatever one call for the whatever you want to have it and i just there were so many times where i was like dude they have clearly declared despite all that all the shenanigans pre-snap of where they're going I was a little let down that there wasn't a little more sophistication with that. You know, maybe you mentioned before that, you know, it's a young offensive line. It's, you know, it's not something we've seen with them all season. And it's something I noticed that, like, no matter how experienced a team is, even at the pro level, they're all, there still are false starts. And you have a inexperienced O-line who maybe doesn't rep it so much. They're, sure. they're seeing, you know, I'm first year, second year, I'm playing right tackle, and I see, 
you know, Jack Casser trying to blitz my gap. I'm freaking out and I hurt. I might jump offside <laughs> no. a little bit. So maybe it's just saying they didn't want to risk. They thought they were still in the game. I agree with you. It's it's a great, I love hard counts as long as the receivers aren't dumb enough to hop offside. They're, it's a great, great play. And, you know, check, check, check. Or even, you know, call timeout and get your guys regrouped. At least see what they're committing to. Yeah. But maybe they'll see it against Mac. Maybe we won't. You know, but something's got to change. The offense is still impressive, but it's not perfect, and there's definitely room for them to improve. And speaking of their offense, do you know uh, the status for Diodati? Um, I spoke to him after the game uh, just to talk about how you know bad it is for the loss, but mainly just to check in on his health. Because for those of you who didn't watch the game, he caught a four-yard slant or an in across the middle, and Jack Casser pretty much took his head off. <sighs> yeah, uh, I'd have to watch it again to say if it was a clean hit, but I didn't look like a dirty hit. It was just—it's it, hard to tell from that angle. I want to give—I want to give Casser the benefit of the doubt. Because like you can't tell, so while I won't, I don't want to assume it's dirty. Obviously. Look, it's a, it's a linebacker's dream. I had my first concussion with a, a slant coming across the middle of free safety, took me out, my head off. But no, he said he's good. He just, you know, he just was out for that one. I think you know we'll see him come in to play against Mac. I haven't heard any word that he's not going to. Uh, if I do, you know, I'll let people know. But for for now, it looks like he's good to go against Mac. Well, and that's a perfect segue into their next week game, which is against Mac. Mac coming off. The bye, the game will be here in Toronto. Um, m- massive game. I mean, I <laughs> I thankfully don't have to eat any hats anymore, or that 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 option is now off the table. But obviously, as we said, this is still there is still uh, a way for UFT to get into the playoffs, but it has just become uh, devastatingly difficult because they pretty much will have to take. Well, I think they pretty much have to run the table at this point. No, well, or I won't talk about the math. Yeah, oh four, yeah. Let's be real. For the for the two win teams, pretty much four wins gets you in the playoffs at this point. And it looks like there'll probably be a few teams at uh, four wins. So we'll get our crack staff uh, to break down the uh, the math on those uh, and have that for you in a little in, in a little while. Uh, as for Carlton, we've already mentioned this coming week is the Panda, and it's always a fun affair. Best, biggest amateur sporting event in one of the biggest sport, uh, amateur sporting events in Canada um, and we'll get into that and, and all kinds of other stuff as we go into our week um, our week 7 review or preview I should say uh, but for now let's move on to our next game and let's talk about uh, let's talk about Western and Windsor love it final score in this game the Western Mustangs 58 the Windsor Lancers 25 this game was in Windsor much like our other games windy rainy uh, all the all the elements coming at them and despite the final score, I, I hope you got a chance to. I hope people listening, you got a chance to watch this game, because this was a tight ball game through the first half and a little bit, which, which definitely is a surprise. I don't think any sane person I know would have picked Windsor to take this game, but I think there's week after week there's more and more proof that despite this Windsor team also being a program that we kind of chalk down with Queens as looking forward towards the future, but they they have a they have a very good offense, and Sam Girard, to me, it's hasn't been a surprise some of the things he's been doing. We saw it last year, um, the performances he was able to put up, um, and with the likes of you know he got a great performance this week from Matthew James, seven receptions, 180 yards receiving, and a touchdown. Carson Ouellette, who we saw have a massive game uh, last week in in returning the ball as well as playing receiver so he definitely has definitely has a lot of weapons there for him 
Um, but <laughs> what were you thinking when you were uh, getting like just seeing how this game developed in the first half? I don't want to say I wasn't surprised because I definitely was. Um, oh, I don't know. I always say that Western starts a little slow, and I kind of expected a slow start from the offense. I didn't necessarily expect a slow start from the defense. So you know, you're going to half, and it's Western up twenty three seventeen. Yeah, I was like, you know, it's it's a little surprising. When I started getting those those Twitter buzzes going on because I couldn't watch the game live, showing me that. Western kept scoring. I was a little more okay. This is this is the Western that I know, and and Chris Merchant decided to be a, you know more of a more of a quarterback this time. You know, good three three hundred forty yards in the air, four touchdowns with a long of eighty two, one interception. I think he's thrown a pick every game this season. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that fact, but I'm not surprised that he's been throwing picks. Trey Humes didn't break the hundred yard mark. Still looking like Trey Humes that I said he is ninety two yards and a touchdown. Um, Kind of a big shout, Brett Ellerman. I think he's still, I think he's still borderline. You know, U of T's receivers have made a big push for all of them making all stars, but Brett Ellerman, not amazing yardage with 64, but two touchdowns. You know, so the offense definitely took a while, and I don't know if that was attributed to the weather or not, or the travel. The travel is only about two hours from London, so they they are a second half team. I always say that second half of the season, second half of the game. But the final score really shows that Western wasn't happy with the performance that they put up against Guelph. The same way Mac wasn't happy with the performance they put up against York. True. And now, am I right in saying it's been over 100 points in these quote-unquote revenge games that's against sound, Windsor? Yeah, that sounds... <laughs> poor, poor Lancers, man. But I think, I think that, Mac, sound, Mac put up over 50, and now yeah. Western put up over 50. Yeah. And then, so it's. I feel bad for Windsor when they face teams, powerhouse teams that have been yeah. kind of struggling against teams they should have put big numbers up against and now we'll see what happens next week but no western's offense looked like western's offense definitely and you, you mentioned the performance of ellerman i want to give a shout out to to malik Bessinger um because we saw against guelph i don't have off the top of my head the stats that he put up but we saw a couple bad drops we saw the fumble when they were marching in the red zone so a great bounce back game he finished with 112 yards and a touchdown for chris merchant you know incredible performance and as you said, looking more like a pocket passer in this one, still putting up set, uh, 60 yards on the ground. And I'll say this every week because I see it every week. And I guess every week he's proven me wrong that he just is a tough. He's from Saskatchewan. He's, is that where? You, I'm not too sure about that. I, I think he's from. Uh, I'm forgetting where he's from, but he's just a tough kid. But another just on a play, a touchdown that ended up getting called back in the first half, takes it himself. Lowers his dang shoulder into the defender, and I just—I mean—he keeps proving me wrong every time I say that. Like, man, please just protect yourself a little bit more. But like I said, every time he keeps prove—he keeps proving me wrong. Um, you know, mentioning the performance of Trey Humes uh, as well, putting up very, very good numbers. One of the things, though, I saw from Windsor in this game that I really liked, and it's a point that I want to make in terms of a team that didn't do this when we get to talking about York and Waterloo, which is there was a moment late in the game when the game was probably uh, yeah, it was the game was pretty much out of reach but Windsor was faced with uh, a yeah, no, actually it was still early in the third, yeah, it was a third and two for Windsor and, and they go for it, and the pass falls incomplete, Western gets the ball back, and I think Western immediately on the next drive 
uh, scores a touchdown. It might have even been the first play. But what I liked about the aggressiveness, and I think we're seeing this in the NFL a little bit with um, with some of the teams where when you're facing a team that's going to put up 58 points, and obviously they don't know they're going to put up 58 points, but it sure as heck shouldn't surprise anyone when Western puts up 58 points in a game. At any given point, you just cannot sacrifice going for going for points, keeping your offense on the field. Because a lot of the time, the best defense for a team against a team like Western is keeping your offense on the field, keeping their offense on the bench. And when we actually look at time of possession, Windsor led this game in time of possession 32 minutes to just shy of 28 minutes. Not the biggest discrepancy, but when you look in this, look at the actual score, that is that does seem a little surprising. You wouldn't think that the the time of possession would slant Windsor's way even marginally given the, the, the scoring. So I, I say all that to, to make the point again that I like them being aggressive, going for points when you could, trying to keep your offense on the ball, even though it might not have netted you the win because or netted you results all the time because you know what at the end of the day losing by what 33 points it you know you not to say you expect to lose to western but you go into this game as huge underdogs losing by 33 losing by 63 whatever it might be doesn't really make a heck of a difference but put your putting yourself in a position by making aggressive plays or by aggressive play calling i'm 100% 100% here for it. I loved it. I do, just to, this is my last point on the, on the game, I do have one question for you. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, we see hot and cold quarterbacks every single week. Sam Girard. Yeah. Do you think he's the most underrated quarterback in the OUA? Not saying that no one gives him any love, but you don't hear his name mentioned this year with Clay and Trey Ford and Merchant and even, you know, the likes of Duick is... Even though he's there, they only have one win on the season. He puts up consistently 300 yards a game. He's averaging 300 yards a game. Yeah, you know, is he, in your eyes, a, an underrated quarterback? You know, you're you're probably right to call him that, just in terms of the the eyes of OUA watchers, and I think that's on us as well. But I think that's more a product of the position that the Windsor is in, much like how while he's injured at the moment. I think Brett Hunchak for York is extremely talented, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, you're the quarterback. It's the most important position in the game. And while the game is way more complex than to just put it on one player, you know, when your team is only winning a single game or two games a year, you're, you know, you're not going to get all the fanfare that other teams might. And then you couple that with not just the performances that uh, a Clay or a Trey have been putting up, but just how how explosive they've done it. There's nothing quiet about the numbers they put up. Gerard, he puts up his numbers, and it, it does seem a little understated. So I guess it's a bit of a waffle waffle of an answer there. But I guess he is underrated in, in the scope of, of how people perceive, you know, if you were asking people to list off top QBs. Um, in terms of just talent and, and ability, uh, I don't think he should be. But at the same time, that just goes to speak to the amount of talent in the league right now. The fact that we can talk about a guy like Sam Gerrard as underrated or underappreciated, whatever you want to be, while I want him to be able to get all the accolades he can for doing what he does, which is perform as a as a very, very good quarterback, I it, it makes me happy to know it's one of those kind of good, bad things. The fact that Gerrard goes under the radar, but like I said, 
that's just a testament to how many good quarterbacks there are in their league in the league. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely agree. Um, so that'll pretty much wrap it up for that game. Uh, for these teams, Windsor staying at home um, when Laurier is coming to town next week, and for Western, they are returning home to take on Waterloo in uh, a game that I think many people will expect quite a few points to be scored in that one. Uh, any final thoughts on this one, Dakota? Before no, it's everything. On? Yeah, beautiful. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's move on to our final game, York at Waterloo. Final score in this game, the Waterloo Warriors 57, the York Lions 19. This game was at the University of Waterloo. I think it was their homecoming too, but of course they have the Battle of Waterloo coming uh, coming up in a few weeks, which will, which will obviously be a huge affair for people in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. Um, so this is a game that I don't think there was too many things that, that surprised people. Uh, Noah Craney got the start. For York, uh, I was deceived by the 55-man rosters again in thinking that Brett Hunchak was going to be back. And there was part of me that, you know, this is a York team that beat Waterloo last year, albeit here in Toronto on their home field. And, of course, with an offense that was much more potent because you had Colton Hunchak, you had uh, Nikola Kalinich, both in the CFL right now, on their offense uh, receiving the ball from Brett Hunchak, but obviously, I don't know, there's part of me that thought, you know what, if Brett comes back in this game, there's still, you know, we've seen Hunchak, Hunchak to Hakuna Vanhu be a, a good combination this year. We've seen the effectiveness of Alex Daly as a, both a receiver and a return Just man. a beast. You know, Kadeem Hennemings is another guy who's been playing really well. We started to see Darnell Jarrett, the, the young rookie running back, start to perform well. This guy, Brian Deans out of nowhere. I don't know who he is. You know, put up 72 yards for them. Uh, shout out to him. So there's still there was still part of me that, given the fact that I think going into this week, Waterloo's defense ranked I think 10th in both passing and rushing. That you know, with Brett back, assuming Brett was back, maybe they could put up a fight. Of course, that's not what we got. It was Noah and. I'm willing to give him credit. He looked good in the first half. There was moments where he was moving the ball for them. But as I kind of set this up in talking about the Western game with how Windsor was a little aggressive, there was times where I just felt like for York, you know, there's a moment where they, they're settling for a field goal or punting. I'm just like, dude, you're, you're playing Waterloo. They're going to score on you. They're, like, as much as we will give credit to York's defense, their passing defense has been one of the best. You're not, like, you can slow down Trey Ford, but slowing him down, Still, probably means he's putting up at least thirty. No, they, plus they, on they you. slowed him down. He only threw for two hundred and fifty yards. <laughs> oh, sorry, and three touchdowns. Oh, okay, <laughs> but did no, but they must have slowed down Dion Pellerin, right? Well, I think he, so, right. Wait, no, sorry, <laughs> sorry, one hundred and fifty-five yards and three touchdowns. No, so yeah, no, they didn't really, they didn't really slow down that Waterloo. And I agree that you know they should be aggressive. Um, big ups to Noah Craney throwing some touchdowns. Unfortunately, one went the other way. Darrell Ford seventy-yard return. Um, no, I didn't. I don't think this game shocked anybody. It it is what it is. You know, I look at all these numbers. Just going over it again, Alex Daly doing what I would assume Alex Daly can do every single game, which is putting up over a hundred yards. Yeah, over. I think it's over one hundred fifty all purpose. Um, it is. Yeah, but again, you're going against an offense with Trey Ford, Deion Pellerin, Tyler Tanowski, 
all putting up 100 yards in their respective categories. You'd assume that for Trey Four, but I mean, rushing 155 for Pellerin and Tyler Janowski 100 yards and two touchdowns as receiving. So, and also with this offense, a bit of a low key um, move that I guess happened, so to speak, is the return of Brandon Metz, who we saw carrying the ball a lot for them last year when I think Pellerin was out for quite a bit of time. And so Brandon finished just two carries for 31, uh, two receptions, 19 yards. You can see he's a little more versatile in that regard. Pellerin obviously is just an absolute just physical beast. will just keep running into you until you don't want to take those hits anymore. And then he breaks off the big carries for... We had a big carry for 49 on, on this game. Uh, so it's just... The, you know, the, the rich getting richer, if you will, for this offense with the with the return of Mets in this one. Um, and you mentioned Tyrell Ford, and you know, obviously, big ups to him for the pick six. I think he came close to picking off another play. I remember him having a really good pass defense of a play against uh, Luther Kunavan who towards the end of the first. But this is coming off the Carlton game. Uh, where he actually got hurt, and the commentators in this one early on made a point of mentioning how, uh, you know, if there was one thing that stood out for people who fall Waterloo, is that we didn't see Tyrell returning any kicks in this one, which we've become accustomed to doing. They were keeping him out of the return game, so we saw more Deshaun Jupiter Dean re- returning the ball for them. But obviously, Tyrell, um, if he's still a little nicked up uh, f- from the Carlton game, it, it didn't show. Um, because of such a, such an impressive performance for York, though, uh, a guy that I, I know you were big on giving him your defensive player of the week a couple weeks ago, Talik Aoman. Uh, I loved seeing this at one point. He dropped a pretty sure pick, and right away the kid hits the turf and does push-ups. <laughs> such such a classic, just high school or, or rep ball move. But you'll you'll have seen it, young kid. Yeah, no, you know, I, I always get my receivers to do it at practice. Unfortunately, in a, in a game, they can't really do that. they got to get back to the huddle. But I love seeing, you know, that kind of mindset where, you know, you get better, you get stronger. And, you know, it's, yeah, a few little things there, but it's showing that you're disciplined. You know you should have had that. The coaches aren't going to come after you and say, why didn't you get that pick? Because they're seeing you out there being like, that, that's me, that's on me. Let's get better right now mid-game. You know, the whistle blew, but I'm still going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Um- and for York as well, sticking with their defense, shout out to Rossini Sanjong, you know, one of the top DNs in this league. Um, only one sack on the day, um, two tackles for loss, a forced fumble. And, you know, I made this point when I gave uh, Tavis Robinson, Defensive Player of the Week, a couple when Guelph played Waterloo, where sacks on Trey Ford count for like at least one and a half sacks when you just <laughs> take into account the fact that you have to chase him, chase him down. Uh, the slippery bugger he is um, but you know great win for Waterloo uh, and next week and so I guess moving into the preview for or into their schedule for next week they're hitting the road to take on Western and you know I don't want to whatever happens in that game I don't think the the outcome in terms of win or loss will necessarily be how we want to judge Waterloo because I you know for most teams that's the case when you play Western it, it, I think the story of this year is Western might will almost definitely go undefeated at this point. But who can we, who have we see that can put up a fight against them? So it'll be can can Waterloo put up a fight? Because despite the what are they now four and one, which is is you know is great. And I'm expect- no 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 disrespect, but Zach, I've been asking you questions all episode. 
every week when you look at Waterloo's record, are you just like, wait, 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 what? They're they're three and one. Wait, wait, they they're four and one. And then again, no disrespect to Waterloo, but I just keep assuming that I'm going to look at the schedule and see like a two and two record or something like that. And I don't think it's wrong to think that because it's been we have two years in a row with Trey Ford at starting. This is the third year now, or I guess maybe three and a half, depending on how you look at it. But that, that first year, they go 4-4 four and four with him, and I think a lot of people, just that was just a great thing to see. 4-4, four and four, I don't think they made the playoffs. Um, but just, you know, you, we, we saw a glimpse of what this offense could become. And then last year, they start the season off doing so well, levels off to 4-4 four and four after another situation where they started off hot, and then they got most of their losses in the second half of the year, end up getting bounced in the first round against Guelph. And this is just... You know, I I don't think it's I think it's fair to, to say that you know we're still not entirely sold on this team. The offense is undoubtedly you know as strong as they've ever been, and of course mentioning that they got Mets back, but I mean, we'll see what they can do. You know that obviously the Western game that's huge, and then it's going to be the Battle of Waterloo, which you know if if Laurier continues to look like the team that I think a lot of people are are thinking they can be. You know, that's going to be a big game too. And then week nine, they're going to take on Mac in Hamilton. So <laughs> a lot of, a lot of big deciding games coming up. It, it honestly, please just like, I, I don't, I don't expect them to do Western. I, I, I I'm, I'm going to pick Mac unless something terrible happens in the weeks leading up to it. And I, I would favor Waterloo in the battle of Waterloo, but please, please just win that game. So you do at least have, a winning record, not go four and four again. Please, Waterloo, don't go four and four again. Um, <laughs> I, I hate to be such a skeptic uh, after such a great win for them, but it's just this league is just so tough, and this is a once again one of those a, a product of how competitive it is. Um, but as I mentioned on another podcast, you know you have Ternowski going to his draft year, Ford obviously only in third year, um, and, and still relatively young, but it just. It just has them. It, it wouldn't surprise me if five, ten years down the line, it's like, man, remember those Trey Ford offenses at Waterloo, and just the big what ifs. So, uh, you know, go ahead and prove me wrong. I hope that it, it it doesn't come to fruition, but we will see. And obviously, next week they'll be taking on on Western and for York. Um, next first week they're not going to lose. <laughs> oh, they're also oh true yeah they're also on the bye next week so uh, some well deserved rest. Hopefully they get Hunchak back for the following week, which will, of course, be the Battle of Toronto, uh, taking on U of T. Any last thoughts on this one? Beautiful. So that being said, that wraps up week six, and let's move on to our preview of week seven. That's right. It's Panda Game Week. Carlton Ravens, Ottawa GG, TD place as you mentioned i think two weeks ago carlton had already sold out their student section i'm sure ottawa is doing their dangness to do the exact same it's gonna be a packed house it, it was last year it's it's i mean it, it is every year and I'll, I'll keep saying it one of the biggest amateur sporting events in canada um my biggest thing with this because we saw last year it's a 12 p.m start so please anyone in the ottawa area that's planning to attend this particularly to the students because i know you're going to be partying in the moment uh, in the morning of the game just start the partying a little bit earlier get there 
at game time. It frustrated me to no end watching that game last year and just seeing all the students just being just filing in deep into the first quarter, into the first second quarter, even at halftime. By the th- by, the second half, that place was full, and I'm expecting the exact same thing this year. But I want that to be for kickoff. It's you know such a great tradition, such a great game. We've seen incredible games, incredible performances, uh, seemingly every year in this game. Uh, you know, there's so so many so many great Nate Bahar moments from from uh, his his tenure with Carlton. Um, so yeah, I mean, a, lo- a huge. Huge sporting event. Um, what What are your thoughts? Who are you picking this one? So just a couple things. Um, you know, we talked offline last week, and I think both you and Eddie were saying it was leaning towards Ottawa. Yeah. And I'll ask you. I'll ask you now, and you'll answer later. Sort of thing. Does Ottawa's offensive performance change your mind? And also the second thing. I think it was week two or week three. We we're talking about the Panda, and you're saying Ottawa has you know pretty much dominated in recent history. I just want to point out that since it's come back in 2013, Ottawa won the first year came back, then Carlton won four in a row. True. And then Ottawa did win last year. They do currently have the Precious Panda. But for me, the way that Carlton's defense has been playing, the way that Ottawa's def- offense has not been playing, again, it's going to be a close one. They're always a close one. Let's let's look at the last couple of scores. 38-27 to for Ottawa. Yeah, that's not great. 33-30, 43-23. Again, not great. One was another another overtime, 48-45. Mm. Then 33-31, that was that last second Hail Mary to Nate Bahar. Yeah. Going with uh, Carlton taking back the Panda. Yeah. I, well, first of all, I believe it's Pedro the Panda. Um, so shout out to Pedro. Um, I'm going to go with Carlton as well. And I think much like with so many of these games, if we – you know, because we do this as er- we you know we do this early in the week. If we get word that Bittner is back, then we'll obviously have to to take that into consideration. But as it stands, um, I've I think between Miracle and Tanner, we've just seen more production for the Carlton Ravens offense with Tanner at QB than we've been able to see for Ottawa with Miracle at the helm. I'm sure a big part of that is the fact that going into the year, Carlton knew or and expected Tanner to be the quarterback with Aruda leaving. And for Ottawa, it was um, obviously uh, due to the devastating injury to Bittner. But it's been now, I think, three, maybe even four weeks you've had Miracle in there. There's been some positive signs. The running game started to look good, Jordan Berger. But I, 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 like, this, I, I like this Carlton defense even without Walsh in there, Kavanaugh's looked all right, and uh, and as we've mentioned, as and as Eddie has said, and we've said on his behalf that that Kasser is the top lineman, or pardon me, linebacker in the OUA. So uh, expecting a, a brilliant game again, just because it's always so exciting. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Carlton on this one. Any last thoughts? That's it. Carlton takes it. Beautiful. Um, moving on to our next game, Laurier at Windsor, um, and this game in our little at the 55 group chat actually you know stirred some things up i know eddie was a a bit on the fence with this one um myself included the games in windsor uh which we talk about the travel to ottawa obviously not as big a trip but you know still a couple hours driving out there um but from what we saw with laurier last week the defense looking better the offense especially with the run game, really. Well, the run game's been strong, but feeding it to other guys, the passing game, picking it up, that defense being a lock. It'll be interesting to see if Trayvon James is back. Um, but what what are your thoughts on this one? Um, I got two thoughts. 
one as you know a supporter of all my friends at UFT and my new love for math I would absolutely <laughs> love it if Windsor won just it gives Toronto a better chance of making the playoffs um but also I did pick him as my dark horse I did say no I'm not putting the Dun chain on them yet yeah the way they've looked against you know last week the way Windsor has looked recently uh, it's a tough one but I'm gonna go with Laurier by a small margin again nothing against Laurier I'd be happy mathematically if Windsor won it'd be great but just picking by strategy wise I'm gonna have to go with Laurier and this is something that you brought up uh, before we started recording today in, in talking about the playoff picture that not only would it be good for U of T for Windsor to win, but if Windsor wins, it's another two-win team in the fold, which oy, I don't want to try. I don't, you, know, you mentioned the math. I don't want to even think about what that would do to some of the projections. Uh, I, my... If we could come out of this week with a lot of two-win teams, and I then throw away my math textbook. <laughs> I haven't taken real math class since, like, stats in last year university. Yeah. Which is perfect for this, but no. I, 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 I don't want another two-win team. But, again, it would be great if they beat yeah. Laurier. And now I'm picking Laurier. I'll, you know, I, my, my initial pick was Laurier, but I think we've got so many similar picks across the board. For the four of us, that I'll I'll spice things up. I'll I'll go with Windsor with this one, um, not and I I know I'm the parody picker of the bunch, but I don't think it's the most outlandish of picks to make on this one. We've definitely seen that offense looking really good. We've seen their specials. We've seen their defense as well look good as well. The question is, of course, what can they actually do against this Laurier defense? Um, but they got the home field and. Uh, for all our listeners out there, this is how on the fence we are. We actually, all the guys that are at the 55 have already submitted our picks for the week. <laughs> and nothing nothing is official until we actually, you know, we saw I bet against Ottawa, I think it was week two or week three, and I and I changed my mind. So nothing's official until we post the picture, but Zach had picked Laurier. Yeah. And I am now typing in that he's changed his mind going with Windsor. That's how on the fence we are for this game. Yeah, thoroughly on the fence. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully once again, Pulling for good games at the end of the day, and I want you know I want to see Laurie do well, but I think this Windsor offense can give them some trouble. Uh, moving to the next game, Waterloo taking on Western. Um, you know, as we kind of mentioned, maybe another opportunity to see. I you know off the bat, I'm picking Western. Obviously, um, at home, not that it has that much to do with it. It's Western, um, but maybe another opportunity to see if if Waterloo can look like they can put up points against them because I think that would be promising if this even if Western wins if this is a shootout I think that would be promising because last year I remember going into the Western Waterloo matchup being okay you know we've seen every team strike out against the Mustangs so far Waterloo's been amazing let's see if this offense can roll against them no zilch they didn't do it so let's just hopefully see if Waterloo can be putting up points on them yeah, no, definitely. Before I get my pick, uh, we did just get our text from the Madison Blind pick. Yeah. Um, I don't like it <laughs> because I think it's just a lame pick, but she's going to go with Western on this. Um, I think she's trying to bounce back from her going against Guelph. Yeah, she picked up the first L for herself on the season. She hasn't been picking all year long, so I think she's just looking for uh, an easy win here. Maybe that'll jinx Western, though. Maybe it will. Uh, for me, the only outcome I can see where, you know, it looks a bit iffy is if 
Trey Ford puts up big numbers. But that being said, Trey Ford goes out there and scores 40 points with him and Pellerin. Tyler Janowski, I think Western easily gets another 56. So I have Western. It's either going to be a shootout or it's going to be very embarrassing, but I don't think Waterloo can hold Western's offense. Yeah, and another example of uh, a game where I would I would really love to see Waterloo just be super aggressive in this one. You know, just go out swinging, win or lose. Um, yeah, just, just well, fire on all Well, just, just theoretically here, just see that Western's coming back from Windsor. Mm-hmm. They, all things considered, are not going to have an away game the rest of the season and the rest of the playoffs for the OUA. True. So people going into TD Stadium, especially teams like, you know, Ottawa and Mac and Waterloo, get used to that very flat field because Western's not going anywhere. <laughs> that uh, That is undoubtedly true. Our final game of the week, because it's a slightly shortened schedule um, for the week, but... I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Mac coming to the big smoke to take on UFT. Uh, Mac coming off the bye week. We'll see if that slows down their offense at all. But as we already mentioned, I don't think the bye week really will slow down defense. Defense travels. Defense is just kind of eternal. If you have a good defense, you just have a good defense. And they no doubt have a great defense and their offense is not too shabby either i'm going with mac on this one yeah you know you know how much i enjoy u of t offense and it's kind of started off i'll be honest kind of started off a little bit as a joke but then as i you know i know daniel diodati uh from when i coached him uh, it started off as a joke, and then he kind of introduced me to some of the guys, and you know we've been chatting throughout the season, and now I, you know, I, they're generally a bunch of really great guys, and I hope nothing for the best for them, and I, I hope that I'm wrong. I hear a butt coming, but I think that McMaster is going to come here and win. To be fair, when I said they were going six and two, I did have McMaster beating them as one of their losses. Okay, I would absolutely love it. Clay, Nolan, Michael Lehman, Will. Daniel, prove me wrong, please. Prove me wrong. Make me make me lose this week on this one. I will be so happy. But as just being unbiased, I have to pick Mac. I'm very upset actually that I can't go to this game because usually I go to the Mac UFT game. Um, I coached ECI, you know, three years back, three or four years back. Etobicoke Collegiate for those yeah. not familiar. Um, Justice Allen, who's the running back for McMaster, and Daniel Diodati, who is a receiver for UFT there on the team and I always try and go to this game and 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 you know root for them individually and so unfortunately I'm I'm out of the country this weekend but it's going to be a great game if you're in Toronto go to it but no I have unfortunately I have to pick Mac just because I have to pick without my heart yeah well, you will no doubt be there in spirit and at the very least we had one of our out of the 55 brethren um picking with his heart that being Brandon who's sticking with his blues love it um so you know, hopefully, hopefully for Brandon's sake and the standings for our pickums, uh, they come through with. The I just win. I can't risk getting knocked out of it. <laughs> our pick our pickums are too close it's for me to be Brandon. It's getting tight. Brandon, you can run that risk. <laughs> All right, so that wraps up our preview of the week seven games. Uh, no listener feedback this week. Um, we did get a lot of a lot of interaction on on Instagram from all the players, which is great to see. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll be interacting with you a little more, posting questions and polls. Um, you know, we asked who you guys thought your players of the week were, and we received about forty responses, that which was is great, amazing. So you know, keep that up. 
Uh, if you listen to us and you're on Twitter, you know, retweet it, comment on us. Before every episode, I usually post saying, hey, ask us some questions. We'll always try and get to them at the end of the episode. But, yeah, this week, nothing. Yeah, and that's all right. And to, you know, echo what you were saying, you know, incredible response that we're getting from all of you on the socials. And, you know, even not necessarily in response to anything we put out there, any feedback, any questions, anything that you think would make this program uh, that much better, take um, – yeah, just, just give us a shout out. Um, and uh, yeah, so I guess that's pretty much a wrap on this one. Uh, like we said, it's Panda Week. That's always that's always super exciting. If you are in or around the nation's capital, make sure you are at that game at TD Place. Be in your seat or at least standing next to your seat, in front of your seat, that is, at 12 p.m. at noon sharp for that kickoff. It's sure to be a rowdy affair. Um, and and yeah uh, any last words before we move on I think that's it alright beautiful well, that does it for us here and we'll see you next week at the 55